What's up, guys? I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 105, coming at you. Tonight we have very special returning guest, Kevin Sweeney. My go-to Big Ten expert is going to help us for the third year in a row preview the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Always a pleasure to have Kevin. One of the most knowledgeable, if not the most knowledgeable independents out there. Um, you know, put Jim Root up there. Um, a couple other guys that, that I converse with, certainly Eric Haslam from a, from a metric standpoint, um, you know, guys that I deal with on a daily basis as far as conversations, enlightening conversations. Um, Kevin is incredibly understanding of the game of basketball for someone as young as he is. It's always listening to him break down the games and break down certain things in, in a private chat type setting. Um, is always something that I'm like, wow, I, you know, stuff that I, I never really look at. Um, for instance, there, there was a quiz, a quiz sent out, I want to say maybe by Hoop Vision, or I don't know, it was posted on Twitter, and it was a series of questions where they basically show you a play and like, who is at fault on this defensive possession, um, who makes this possession work, something like that. I don't know what I scored because I gave up after like four questions. Like, I, I don't have... I can I can watch a game and tell you who's going to be good in two years. Um, I can tell you who's going to develop into a good shooter. I can tell you which coach is a good coach depending on how they run how they run their offense, how they run their defense, and the shots that their offense gets their players. I can tell you that Kyle Guy is one of the best players I've ever seen at manipulating a, a screen as far as as far as that Virginia offense goes. But to look at you know, off the ball movement and actions. You know, uh, you know, Kevin and uh, Kevin and Jim Root are are two of the better guys that I listen to. If you listen to Three Man Weave, obviously you know about Jim's work. But the, these guys are on kind of a different level. So it's always fun to have Kevin come on. And and you know, for me, I'm uh, I'm fairly confident as far as my ability to break down basketball. But um, these guys these guys kind of humble me a little bit, which sometimes I actually need and absolutely deserve. So. <clears throat> What do we do today? Obviously, we went down the games uh, through the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We lost two games today. Um, we lost the NC State. Damn it. I keep forgetting who NC State played. I forgot during the show who NC State was going to play. But I know that we lost the Wisconsin-Louisville game. And as I desperately try to pull up Ken Palm on my garbage laptop that's been failing me all night long to tell you who North Carolina State was playing. Michigan, that's who it was. Um... Uh, you know that that's a t- that's tough because you know NC State continues to lose games that they may actually have a shot in to build a resume to actually make the NCAA tournament after losing UConn this week. That's a winnable game for NC State and also a game that would look good on their resume. Uh, Michigan has not been fantastic so far this season. Do I think the NC State's going to win that game if they had played? Probably not, um, given given that freshman backcourt. But you never know. I mean. Michigan got taken to the wire a couple weeks ago, or I'm sorry, in, in week one against a team who also currently escapes me um, that should not have played them that closely. Um, I believe Michigan ended up winning that game, but um, for those of you in the ACC, ACC fans, Michigan has a player on the wing named Shawnee Brown, who is playing like a guy that we never really saw at Wake Forest. This guy's shooting the shit out of the ball right now, and uh, it's, it's too bad. 
that uh, that ACC fans wouldn't get to see him play NC State one more time. But I think Michigan will be fine. I think NC State may be in trouble because they seem to be losing all the winnable games that could help them build a resume towards the tournament. That said, I hate doing these long intros. I know you guys just want to get into the meat, get in, get out, hear the picks. I'm going to tweet out the picks with... Um, this podcast here in a little bit so you guys can keep track at home. I believe that I edged out Kevin by a single pick in year one. I believe he beat me by a single pick last year. This year, obviously, with the addition of the chimp, we have a third. So, you know, we this 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 podcast, we agreed on a lot of things, but we were we were a little bit different on just enough to make it interesting. Um, Tuesday night is obviously the premiere night. This this challenge is a little bit different this year as it's uh, fairly condensed. It's only going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, whereas in the past, I believe it's Monday through Wednesday or Thursday. I think there's like usually two games on Monday and then they kind of they kind of stretch it out a little bit with the premier games on Wednesday, Thursday. That's not the case this year. It's just Tuesday, Wednesday. This year we get seven games on Tuesday. We only get five games on Wednesday and we probably just lost the... The maybe the best game on Wednesday night, Louisville, Wisconsin. Louisville has some some positive COVID stuff going on within their program, so unfortunately, we're not going to get them. Um, this stuff is starting to get around. Like I said, NC State's lost, I think, three games now. Uh, Notre Dame lost three games. Gonzaga, I believe, just canceled five games. Um, Tennessee has yet to play a game on the season. Um, so it's it's becoming a very interesting year. And towards the end of the show, I actually asked Kevin. What his thoughts were, because for those of you who don't follow Kevin online, which is everybody that listens to this show follows Kevin Sweeney, and so I'm, I'm not really telling you anything you don't know. Kevin is one of the more outspoken people of, uh, and more thoughtful people of how to navigate COVID or what we sh- maybe what we should be doing, how this is impacting the college basketball landscape, things of that nature. So I asked him flat out how you evaluate, you know, as a as a, a tournament selection committee, how you evaluate. Teams that may only play 14 or 15 games compared to teams that may play, you know, 21, 22, 23 games. Um, he gave a, a very long, thought-out answer and basically told me, well, you'll see. Um, I guess I'll tease that. I hope you guys enjoy it. Don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Um, get the word out there. This is the best ACC basketball podcast, in my humble opinion. Um, I don't think I'm really going out on a limb like that. And I hope you guys enjoy this is Kevin Sweeney of CBB Central. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor. Akogi! He beat the Back again for what I believe is the third year in a row to help me preview the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I have CBB Central's very own Kevin Sweeney. KS, how's it going, man? It's good. Love my uh, my yearly appearance. It's always a good time. So uh, happy to be here and uh, break through walk walk through what's always a uh, fun couple of days of basketball. Yeah, we got uh, a little bit of bad news here in the last few hours. Um, some of these games have fallen off the schedule, unfortunately. Uh, Chimp, uh, any particular game that you're looking forward to in this challenge coming up? Well, first let me say I am positively giddy to be on the same. Podcast is Kevin Sweeney. I mean, he's a the prodigy wonder boy. Uh, so I'm very excited. Now, with that out of the way, um, I don't. I guess I can get into this maybe a little further in. Uh, there is one particular game that I 
am looking forward to gambling on. Um, <laughs> but as far as just watching, I think I'm most intrigued by Iowa and North Carolina. Sure. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Uh, Kevin, before we get into some picks, any particular game that you're looking forward to on the slate? Yeah, I, I, I'm with the chimp here. Uh, with, with Iowa and North Carolina, I just think the the Garza matchup with, with North Carolina's terrific bigs will be quite the test. We've seen Garza obviously play three very poor teams so far in the non-conference, and mm-hmm. we certainly know he's good enough to you know, put up massive numbers against anyone, but he probably won't face a deeper, more athletic front court all year. And so uh, certainly very excited to see how he handles that and how Iowa handles his first big time. Yeah, I mean, something's got to give in this game because Iowa doesn't defend and UNC can't shoot for shit. So <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see uh, which way that one goes. For me, I'm, I'm really into Illinois this year. Um, I think Duke is at kind of a disadvantage, whereas nobody's packing into the into Cameron Fieldhouse right now. So, you know, I think that I think the, the COVID um, lack, of, lack of a crowd is going to hurt Duke maybe more than anybody else in the nation as much energy as they draw from their crowd. So I'm interested to see how Duke plays at home against a you know, top-town Illinois team. <clears throat> um, what we've learned in the last couple hours is, let's see, NC State will not be playing um, in their game. I'm blanking on their... On their Michigan. Michigan, right. And Wisconsin and Louisville will also not be playing. Apparently there are some COVID concerns within the Louisville program. Um, that game is officially postponed, according to Mike Rutherford over at Card Chronicle. Um, they are going to try to get it in at some point, but obviously it's not going to happen in the next couple days. That was a game, especially the, the Wisconsin-Louisville game, that was a game I was really looking forward to. Is the first time that Louisville was leaving um, the friendly confines, first time they were hitting the road. Wisconsin is a top 10 team. Um, actually, I think they're probably number 13 or 14 right now after that tip-in loss against Marquette. But that was a game that I was really looking forward to. Two teams that I don't, I don't know if I have a whole lot of confidence in right now. Certainly more Wisconsin than I do Louisville. But I really wanted to see Louisville take on a top 15 team. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait. Um, and, and that is unfortunate. Any, any thoughts on that game, Kevin, before we kind of get started? Yeah, it's disappointing without a doubt. And I know there's, there's hopes that they'll get it played. And there was discussion that they could maybe play it this, this coming weekend. But Louisville's latest test results indicated that they would not be playing that game. So... Uh, and we'll see what happens when they can come back. Hopefully, maybe later in December they can get it done. And uh, you know, really high level contest. I think I've been as impressed with Louisville as any team in the country, given what they've been missing. Right? I was concerned with Emily Williams out, with Charles Minland out, with T- uh, Samuel Williamson in and out of the rotation with the injury to his toe. Mm-hmm. Like they're down several guys, and they're playing at a really high level. Blew out a really good rushing Kentucky team, beat Seton Hall. Uh, you know, I ranked in my top twenty-five. I think I had them top 15-ish, you know, very close yep. to that, right around that 15 mark. Um, I think it was as high as pretty much anyone had them, and I thought, I was just so impressed, and you know, the player development that Chris Mack's done with, with guys like Szynski and Withers, and I've just been very, very, very impressed. So, missing out on that game stinks, and would have been a good test against a very disciplined, experienced Wisconsin team, but hopefully the, the cards are back shortly, and we can get that match up in short order. Yeah, definitely. Um, what this does for the slate, guys, is it actually severely weakens uh, i think what was probably easily the the worst night of the two as far as the wednesday slate you're still going to get seven games tomorrow night um obviously with unc iowa and illinois duke as as kind of those premier matchups wednesday night goes from seven games to five where i I mean you got to be a fan to watch anything really other than than michigan state virginia i think i mean indiana florida you're not not juiced up for pitt northwestern i'm not i'm not i'm really hoping that we (laughs) 
deep dive on Northwestern while I got you here right now. You got me. You got me. <laughs> but you know, one this is this is a completely Homer thing. But I'm really interested to see Georgia Tech travel to Nebraska because after a win against Kentucky, um, after you know, kind of, I want to say rising to the occasion, but obviously, I don't think Kentucky's really that good. They certainly weren't last night. But Josh Pastner on the road after a big win. I mean. <laughs> Where do I take Nebraska? Uh, every every sports book that will take my bet will probably get some action. So anyway, we'll start on Tuesday night. Um, Illinois traveling to Cameron. Obviously, the crazies aren't going to be in the house. Uh, kind of a disadvantage for Duke. Uh, I'll make my pick first. I'm going to take Illinois. I think uh, Desunmu is just tremendous in all facets of the game right now. Tremendous defender. Um, I love Kofi Coburn, which again, I don't know how you get Coburn out of that spelling, but, um, I I just like Illinois. I like Illinois experience. Adam Miller is a kid around them. Trent Frazier specifically that I really like as well as the big guy, the big lefty. I'm not going to butcher his name, but, um, I'm going to take Illinois on the road to, uh, to win straight up. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough choice. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned about how Duke will handle, Kofi in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing Duke should do is do what Baylor did and, and just throw energy and athletes at him and then try to beat him in space. He really struggled to defend in ball screens against Baylor. Uh, and I think that would be what I would do if I were Duke is just space it out, you know, play with Hurd at the five and get him away from the rim as much as you can mm-hmm. uh, and, and pull Kofi away. I think that matchup will decide the game. I think Duke wins that matchup in this game because of their ability to take Kofi away from the rim. Um, and, and Jalen Johnson has a big night and maybe Stewart hits him a couple of shots. He's been up and down early. Uh, I think Duke wins a close one. Chimp, what are your thoughts on this game? And do you got a pick? Well, I'm, I'm going to pick Illinois just cause I hate Krzyzewski so much. <laughs> um, that's it. Uh, it, it would be a, no, uh, a no play for me. Uh, yeah. no, I know we're not talking lines here or anything. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a competitive game, but just on press, why I'm picking against K. Yeah, I agree. It would be a no play for me as well. Um, it's just, it's just there are other games on here that I would rather bet on that I think are kind of a more of a clear picture of what we should expect than this game here. I wish that I wish they just let Brad Underwood go kick the shit out of Coach <laughs> K. I'd watch that. What do you think the line would be on that? <laughs> Oh, Underwood, heavy, heavy favorite, no question. Uh, As stated before we started picking, UNC rolls uh, on the road to Iowa, uh, Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Uh, UNC continuing to to just shoot the ball incredibly poorly outside R.J. Davis. Um, Leaky Black, not great. Uh, Caleb Love, even worse. You know, in order to stretch the floor for these this extremely talented front court, somebody has to start shooting the ball for the Tar Heels. Fortunately for them, Iowa doesn't play a whole lot of defense, and that's why some people, myself, Kevin included, I believe, are a little bit lower on Iowa than some of the national media and the prognosticators. However, Luca Garza is playing absolutely outside of his mind right now. Iowa at home, Garza playing crazy. I love Joe Wieskamp. Um... I got to take Iowa at home. I just don't think that UNC can shoot the ball well enough to keep up with them. Yeah, I mean, I'll certainly be tracking the Garrison Brooks injury news. I know they said that he he might be limited or might not even be able to go. Mm -hmm. That would be you know massive because it loses them another body to throw at throw at guards throughout the day and and the experienced guy up front. I think which is also critical. And that said, if there's someone who's going to lock down guards, I think 
Daron Sharp has a chance to do it. You know, he's very athletic. He can block shots. I think it's a really good matchup. Um, but to me, Iowa wins this game in a in a tight one because of their two young power forwards, Pat McCaffrey, uh, Fran's son, who I played baseball with growing up, and uh, Keegan Murray, uh, the other the freshman who's six eight and blocking ten percent of the shots that are on the floor, when he's on the floor. Those two guys have been major X factors so far. I think they're averaging double figures, coming off the bench in many cases, and. Uh, those guys have brought in the athleticism to defend at a high enough level that they can handle this game and win a close one against the Tar Heels and, and get a, get their first big quality win. Nice. Chip, three for three? I'm going to go with Iowa as well. Uh, I think there are going to be some lessons taught in this game. Uh, Carolina is obviously very talented, but they're young. Uh, you know, asking... Dayron Sharp to deal with somebody like Garza, it's to me not really a fair fight right now. So uh, I like Carolina's young players, but I think Iowa wins. Yeah, I agree. Um, three for three. That means obviously hammer UNC on the money line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Penn State going on the road to VPI. I have to admit, I have watched 0.0 seconds of Penn State play. Um, I have, however, watched just about every second of Virginia Tech play. Uh, Jalen Cohen was able to return in the last game, played about 14 minutes, one for four from deep. Uh, still trying to get his feet underneath him um, after a, a foot-ankle injury. Uh, you know, I think that Virginia Tech looks a little shaky um, ever since winning against Villanova. I, I have a hard time putting last season behind me as far as their strong 6-0 start and then kind of really crumbling. That said, um, as I've said on other shows this week, I, I like what Virginia Tech does. They're older, they're deeper. I think they're more experienced. Hunter Couture is a guy off the bench. I love Justin Mutz at this hybrid forward, small ball forward position. Um, he's not scoring a ton of points, but I love what he's doing on the floor. Obviously, Aluma has been a revelation in this program, giving them a, a solid big man. Um, Tyrese Radford's one of the best rebounding guards in the entire country. Uh, well, BCBD is criminally underrated as far as being a defender and a leader i think among a lot of independents for sure other podcasts that i've listened to certainly don't give him the credit he's deserving of but uh, i'm going to take vpi at home over penn state that i haven't seen this is a massively challenging game for me to pick you know penn state played a late night overtime game last night uh sunday night we're mm -hmm. recording uh, we were recording on monday um you know, so so they played you know deep into the night. I think it was ten o'clock central when they finished up. Wow. Uh, so when my my buddy left the apartment, uh, that, that's my timestamp here. But then they <laughs> they're already on the road again as we speak here on this podcast. They're on the flight to uh, Virginia Tech. So that's a tough turnaround. It was a backbreaking loss to lose that game when they led big early. Uh, you know, they have a coach that I don't necessarily trust in Jim Ferry who is in the inter in interim deal right now, was, was on staff and really struggled with Duquesne. I think for that reason, I think Virginia Tech wins it. If you give me a bad on-court reason, it's because Aluma is a little bit too much to handle for a front court that has struggled. Uh, John Clara is not overly dynamic. And the Trent Buttrick, Abdu Simbilla uh, pairing as the backup center has been pretty ugly. So I think Penn State has the guards to push Virginia Tech's guards, but the front courts uh, get out in, in favor of Virginia Tech, and they went a very close one uh, in Blacksburg. Chip? Well, I agree with the Wonder Boy on this one. Um, this is a really tough game for me. And I, I, the reason the line is really, really 
punky looking. It's a bit stupid. Virginia Tech's favored by just five and a half. I, like Kevin last night, watched Penn State absolutely choke away a game against Seton Hall. They were up eight with about two minutes to go and just started throwing up shots that were crazy. I don't trust their coach either because there was no coaching going on at the end of that game last night. The line makes me hesitate here, but with the game being at Virginia Tech, I'll take the Hokies in this one. Whew, another consensus. Um, this is starting to be scary. Um, Syracuse goes on the road, but not too far, um, just down the road to Rutgers because, God forbid, they leave the state of New York. Um, Syracuse not been impressive so far. Rutgers, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, still without Geo Baker, Kevin? Yes, I believe he's not playing this Okay. Um, however, uh, you know, Paul Mulcahy, I believe is the name you pronounce, uh, the way you pronounce his name, um, former kid that I watched in high school as Georgia Tech recruited him, is kind of a fun player to watch. Obviously, Ron Harper Jr. is a stud. Um, Syracuse, this is a game which you watch Syracuse in the three games leading up to this game, and you think that Rutgers probably should win this game handily at home, and then Syracuse does Syracuse things and finds a way to win. I'm going to take Syracuse on the road at Rutgers. If Geo Baker was playing in this game, I would probably take Rutgers pretty handily. But uh, I, I like Bayheim for whatever reason in this game. I'm just going to go out on a limb. It, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, I'm still waiting to hear 100% whether Buddy Bayheim will be allowed to play in this game. I know uh, he, was doing, he was in the contact tracing protocol. and mm-hmm. not, I think he stuck out a 14-day shutdown instead of a 7 with the new CDC recommendation because New York has a weird rule where it's 10 minutes instead of 15 and they haven't adjusted their guidelines. And it's really <laughs> quite the affair. But, but regardless, uh, I think Buddy's not playing. If Buddy's not playing... To me, that makes it clear for Rutgers. I don't think Syracuse has enough scoring pop. And I think, quite honestly, Syracuse is going to be a little bit overwhelmed by Rutgers' athleticism. It's wild to talk about, but, you know, when you think about where this program was, but Rutgers is so long and so athletic from one through five with guys like Mathis and Harper and Mulcahy and Omarui and uh, Johnson. They're deep, and, and I think it's just going to be challenging for Syracuse to get good shots on the offensive end. Uh, and Harper's a guy that you can really stick in the middle of a 2-3 and distribute out and attack the basket. So uh, give me Rutgers here, especially at the rack. Jim? Well, Kevin just said something that you normally say about Syracuse, long and athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take Syracuse, that's, that's what I think, long and athletic. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to pick Syracuse for one reason, because I like James Zuba. That's my, you know, he's been <laughs> on, on the podcast. my boy. He, 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 even though he ignores all my tweets, I don't care. He's, he's my guy, and I'm picking Syracuse because of Zuba. Yeah, Zuba's the man. Um, now, it's interesting um, to say that about, you know, I never really thought about putting Ron Harper Jr. in the middle of that zone, which makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, Sidibe being out for the year. I know that Jim Beheim's always on his ass, but Sidibe, I, I like in the middle of that zone sometimes more than I like Dolajai. Right now, Syracuse doesn't have that length that they're really, really accustomed to. Um, I think this is an excellent opportunity for Alan Griffin to step up and kind of fill a void if Bayheim doesn't indeed play. Um, but we'll see what happens. I, it's tough for me. It's you know, growing up in the in the era that I grew up in, it's always difficult for me to think that Rutgers is good. I, I can't get my arms around the fact that Rutgers is good at basketball. It's crazy to me. Um, <clears throat> Purdue on the road to Miami, Florida. Uh, obviously, Miami has my boy Isaiah Wong. 
um, who's having a tremendous start to the season. Uh, Chris Likes is is going to get it rolling at some point. Um, I really like this lineup, especially with Nasir Brooks in there, uh, kind of defending the rim. I, I really like this Miami team. Purdue, I, you know, I've said it a hundred times, and I'll say it again. Matt Painter is... I mean, simply one of the best and maybe most underrated coaches in the entire country, uh, regardless of what his roster looks like. I always have a lot of faith in him. I think that he's a good enough coach to get this win on the road. I think Wong will still have a good game, but I'm not sure Miami's ready for such a well-coached team in Purdue. Kevin? Man, I think I like I think I like Miami here. Uh, you know, Purdue is still kind of finding their identity. Uh, they dealt with some injuries with Jaden Ivey, their young point guard, and Eric Hunter's on the shelf for a while, who's probably their best guard. Um, and I think Miami, if they can keep Niger Brooks out of foul trouble, foul trouble, excuse me, and let him just be a pest all night on Edie and Williams, the you know front court monster that, that Purdue has, I think. Miami will, will win this game with their guards and with, with McGusty and Wong and Likes. I think that's enough. Even even Beverly has been you know, really, really interesting to me as, as a piece for, for quite some time, and he's very athletic and could impact this game. I just think I think Miami at home in a really close one finds a way as long as Brooks can stay out of foul trouble. Chip? Well, um, the, Vegas is telling uh, me to play Miami. Now, I'm like you. I love Matt Painter. He might be my favorite coach in the country. I just think he does a great job. You know, he never has the most talented roster, but his teams, they play. I just like the way they play. But Vegas trumps Painter in this situation for me, (laughs) and I am taking Miami. I am not shocked at all. I'm going to be on the wrong side of that. I can see it already. Um In a game that I think in years past I would I would care about a lot more, um, but having seen Ohio State play this season um, and having seen Notre Dame play this season, I'm not sure I'm too excited about this game. I mean, obviously, I might even wa- I might even rather watch Boston College Minnesota than this game tomorrow night. But Ohio State on the road um, at Purcell Pavilion. I actually included some some an opinion on Nate Lashevsky this morning. Um, watching him play last night against Detroit Mercy, I thought he looked really confident. He's doing a tremendous John Moody impression, although he's not as good as Mooney, obviously. But the way he's shooting the ball, the way he's rebounding the ball, I'm really big on Mooney right now. Uh, I'm sorry, really big on Lashevsky right now. Prentice Hub continues to put up numbers but be wildly inefficient. Um, Dane Goodwin is kind of just Mr. Consistency. Um I, I don't really know what to think of either team right now other than they're not really as good as they have been in years past. That's why I'll go ahead. I'll take the home team, Notre Dame, and, and somewhat of an upset simply because they're playing at Purcell. Yeah, the home team factor intrigues me here, but I think Ohio State is just a little bit a little bit deeper and a little bit more athletic, and I think they have the best shot maker in this game in Dwayne Washington mm-hmm. who can really, really light it up. I think they find a way. I'll be intrigued to see how – you know, EJ Liddell and, and some of these younger frontcourt guys like Zed Key for Ohio State deal with a rim protector like Juwan Durham. They probably haven't seen a guy like that um, so far. But uh, to, to me, you know, Washington and Walker, two very experienced guards. I think they outplay Hub uh, and Cormac Ryan. That's enough to get Ohio State to win. That Zed Key kid, I, I just saw him for the first time. Oh, who did they just play? Shit. Damn it. 
wish I had I wish I had their schedule pulled up. I just watched him play for the first time the other day. I want to say they were playing UMass Lowell, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was watching that one. And that kid is just super athletic, super fun to watch. He's a pogo stick. It may not have been that game because he only played like 17 minutes in that game. But anyway, haven't watched him play. I think he's only a freshman. He's one of like two freshmen on the team with Eugene Brown for third. Um, he's a really fun player. Whatever game I was watching, Dwayne Washington did not have a great – yeah, that was the game against UMass Lowell. But uh, C.J. Walker is a kid I heard from Florida State. I was big on him years ago, and he just never really really kind of panned out. So I'm, I'm not real big on him, though. Right now he's a senior leader, so he, there might be something to be said about that on the road against a kid like Cormac Ryan who just sat out a year after transferring from Stanford. So, um, Chimp, your thoughts? Well – this is the marquee game for me, okay? Now, some people dream of being able to fly, dream of supermodels. Listen, I dream of Tracy Wilson and home, home money line dogs. dogs. That's right. I live, I live for those. This is the marquee game for me. Give me Notre Dame and Mike Bray and Tom Noy. Notre Dame all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Noy shout out. You can always appreciate that. Uh, I love Tom Noy. Yeah, he was he was great. He was fantastic. Um, in a in a sneaky see, this is this is where I get into trouble. I will watch bad basketball all day long, and Boston College traveling to Minnesota is just. I, I will not be able to avoid it. It's a game that I'll probably watch beginning to end and. For me to, I mean, if Duke was playing Kentucky at the same time, I would probably watch this game instead of that. That's it's a sickness that I have. I cannot explain it. I I will watch Jim Christian's guards play basketball and lose by fifteen all day long. Um, <clears throat> that being said, Minnesota is another team that I have not seen, um, <laughs> and Boston College is a team that that really kind of tickled me in the in the start of the season to to push Villanova to the brink and then to take on a Fats Russell left uh, led Rhode Island team and get the win there I ha- my ex I was almost fooled and they have really just not followed through uh, losing uh, two straight after that Rhode Island get win and they got slapped around by St. John's that was not a four point game as the as the final score would indicate and then Florida really just torched them last Thursday so Boston College is Maybe not as good as they showed in their first two games. I have not seen Minnesota, but I'm going to say that Minnesota wins this game at home. Yeah, Minnesota seems content to uh, allow their bye game opponents to hang in. But after their first game when they blew out Green Bay, they've let North Dakota hang in, they let Loyola Marymount hang in. Uh, so maybe that concerns me a little bit. Uh, Poor, poor Jim Christian's athletic director at BC didn't seem overly interested in uh, scheduling him a couple of bye games to get him some 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 easy wins. He lined them up: Villanova, Rhode Island, St. John's, Florida, and Minnesota as a non-conference. You know, the poor guy. The poor, I mean, BC right now could be sitting here beating up Hartford and Central Connecticut, yep. sitting here three and one, and people are like, okay, BC, they got the guards. You know, maybe they're in this game. It's like, all right, we're one and three when we won a four, and we're staring on the ATC schedule. Like we're in trouble. So I think, <laughs> I think Minnesota probably wins this game. I think Marcus Carr is the best player on the floor, but I thought BC competed in those first two games, and they competed back against St. John's. So they're fighting. Their guards are good, and maybe they find a way to steal this one. They did. Posh Alexander just, he ran all over them yeah. for the first 35 minutes of that game or whatever it was. And, I mean, 
I didn't expect anything from St. John's coming into the season, and BC's defense kind of made them look like the fucking Golden State Warriors. So, I, 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 you know, I, I'm just really skeptical about putting any faith in BC right now. Chimp, what are your thoughts? Well, this probably is the uh, worst game on the slate from mm-hmm. where I sit. I uh, have no interest in watching, don't care who wins. Uh, I'm going to base my pick on the fact that I played some ball with Malcolm Huckabee that played at Boston College that does some announcing now. Yeah. I played some ball with that guy. He played at Boston College. Give me Boston College. <laughs> That's a hell of a way to pick a game. And after all the bullshit that me and Kevin spouted, Boston College is going to win this game <laughs> because of, of something silly like that. Absolutely, 100%. Um, <laughs> as stated in the opening, um, only five games on Wednesday night. The uh, the premier game, obviously, Michigan State traveling to Virginia. The Hauser brothers hooking back up, this time as opponents. You know, I coming into the season, I, I was maybe a little bit higher on Virginia than maybe I should have been, but I thought outside of, of uh, Gonzaga and Villanova, it was kind of a crapshoot, that being Virginia, Kansas, and Baylor. Virginia... Coming back and, and defeating St. Francis the way they did, but then the way they played against Kent State, they did not look good to me. Um, Michigan State is, you know, a team that's it's kind of going through a transition after after obviously graduating. Um, Jesus Christ, Cassius Winston. So, you know, I'm not really sure what to expect. I do like Rocket Watts, but you know, he's he's no Cassius Winston and. You know, I I have a hard time. I think they the way that they use Joey Hauser is fantastic. Um, seeing the way he's been playing lately is not really what I expected when he went to Michigan State. Josh Langford being back and being healthy is a, a good a great story. Aaron Henry, one of the best defenders in the entire country. Um, I, I like their depth. I don't know who's going to guard um, AJ Huff, or sorry Jay Huff in this game for Michigan State. But uh, I, I like Virginia at home against Michigan State. I think Kia Clark finally gets off the schneid. I think Reese, Be- uh, Reese Beekman is a tough matchup for Rocket Watts. But, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think this has potential to be the best game out of the whole challenge. Uh, your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, I think I was one of the leaders of the Michigan State bandwagon in the offseason. I think when they won the Big Ten, I thought that, you know, they would be really good. And I was very impressed when I watched them against against Duke. I thought that, mm-hmm. you know, Hauser has given them exactly what they needed. Uh, Henry's been good. Watts has played point guard at a better level than I expected him to. He's obviously more scorer than the distributor, but he's been able to you know, run the show and foster letters on the game, and I've been impressed by that. Um, so with all of that said, I'm picking Virginia um, because I just it, it feels like a random game at JPJ where, you know, Hauser and Murphy go off from three and Kihei figures it out. I think Kihei Clark is, is not – play at the level no. that they need him to play at you know last year he, he was so good down the stretch and just like scrapped and clawed his way to, to some victories for them and he just hasn't been that guy this year i think he's going to come out with a big chip uh big big chip on his shoulder on uh, wednesday night play a really good basketball game for them and uh and find a way to, to lead virginia by michigan state on the road despite me thinking michigan state i think is close to a top five team they're very good i think virginia finds a way agreed chimp your thoughts um, I I don't have a lot of thoughts on this game. I mean, uh, two obviously uh, really good teams um, based on what we've seen early in the year. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to go with you guys and go Virginia. The game being at Virginia and the fact that Michigan State went to Duke and won, and now everybody's all 
high on Michigan State. So that Virginia will probably bring him down a peg, and you know, uh, Izzo will you know be over there raising hell on the sidelines and shit. But uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Virginia. Another consensus. So as we said, Rocket Watts is gonna score forty, and make that make us all question Tony Bennett's. Acumen on the defensive end, and Michigan State's going to win that game. Um, Indiana on the road to Florida State. The other interesting part is with um, uh, the certain games that were that were canceled. Three of the five games on Wednesday night will feature the Big Ten teams on the road, which is very interesting because Virginia, Florida State, and Clemson are all hosting. Which JPJ, um, the Tucker Center in Tallahassee, and oh, I can't forget. I forget. Uh, Clemson's home court, but those three teams traditionally, under their current coaches, very good at home. Um, Indiana does travel to Tallahassee to the Tucker Center to play Florida State. Um, Florida State in the opening game, I don't know why I expected different, but I think Leonard Hamilton played ten or eleven guys in the first seven minutes of the game. It was absolutely insane, but it, it shouldn't be anything new because that's what Leonard Hamilton has done for forever. Um, Scotty Barnes, I was giddy for three days going up to that game thinking that Scotty Barnes was going to have 20, 15, and 10 and just be the number one pick in the draft. And that really wasn't what, what transpired. He took a shot to the grill early and never really recovered. I think he ended up with 8, 6, and 6, something like that. Obviously a well-rounded game, but uh, not really what I was expecting or what I was hoping for. Indiana's kind of my surprise team early on this season. I didn't expect them to be kind of as good as they've shown they are. Um, that said, Leonard Hamilton at home, give me Florida State all day. I think when we pick, because these two teams played each other last year at Assembly Hall, and mm-hmm. I think we, we we picked this game, and I was like, yeah, there's no there's no way that, that Florida State loses this game. Indiana's fraud, and then Indiana blew them out. So <laughs> my pick here is, is definitely grain of salt here. Um, but I think I think Trey Jackson Davis yeah. is going to struggle a little bit with the length that that Florida State brings to the table. I do like that they're using Race Thompson at the four right now, and mm-hmm. not you know they're they're going to eventually get Jerry Brunk healthy, and Jerry Brunk can stand the bench as far as I'm concerned. Race Thompson a lot better than Jerry Brunk, and uh, but I just don't think Indiana has the guards to to uh, Florida State down off the bounce that they'll need when uh, Jackson Davis struggles, and Florida State wins a wins a tight one behind Barnes and. Behind all those big guys like Raekwon Gray and Capriza, and uh, even a little bit of Taron Gum, which I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim? Well, the, we're into the games now that I can't look at the lines because they're not out yet, so I'm just totally confused on some of these games. I like to see what the number is and formulate an opinion based on what I see. Oh, I can so give I'm you a line. A little... I can give you a line. Okay, we'll throw one at me then. Let me, let me see right here. This is what makes Pomeroy and Haslam such great, great. Let's say right now, uh, Florida State on Ken Palm is a two-point favorite, so it's going to be somewhere between one and a half and two and a half. Uh, well, I, I, I think Florida State's going to win. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a revenge game from last year. Um it was one of those games Kevin just talked about. You know, you looked at it last year and you're thinking, there is no way in the hell Indiana can win. Well, guess what? They're playing on their own court. They had their fans, and they kicked the crap out of Florida State. Mm-hmm. And Leonard, Leonard Hamilton hadn't forgot that. Plus, look, who has the better-looking cheerleaders, Florida State or Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's Florida State all day, every day. So give me uh, the Knowles uh, to win this game. 
I, I like the way that you're based. It's like my mom picking tournament teams based on <laughs> uniform colors. I love it. Um, <laughs> Maryland travels to Clemson, and I would remember. I, I know that Clemson fans are going to give me shit for not remembering what the name of their home court is. But if you guys, if your basketball team's Twitter account hadn't blocked me, maybe it would be worth remembering. So Maryland on the road. <clears throat> We're going to say this is a three-point Clemson uh, point or a three-point line in favor of Clemson. Um, I love Amir Sims as a small ball five. I, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say other than that. I think P.J. Hall is kind of sneakily good as a freshman right now. But Alamir Dawes, um, Johnny Newman hasn't played his greatest basketball yet. I think that is yet to come. I do really, really like... Um, Ayala, Morcel, Dante Scott, Aaron Wiggins. I love that that quartet for Maryland, but there's something that they kind of lack without that Anthony Cowan type point guard who was the heart and soul of this team last year. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm ready to buy into Maryland yet, even though they are 4-0. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson at home. I think in somewhat of a surprise, I think a three-point three line favoring Clemson is kind of interesting, um, as I think Maryland might have more talent but I think Clemson might be a – it sounds weird to say that they might be a little bit more trustworthy right now. But um, I, I love Sims at the five, and I love Alamir Dawes. Uh, give me the Tigers in a very, very close game, I think. Yeah, I don't feel confident either way here. I think Sims will be a challenging matchup for Hamilton, Scott, and Galen Smith, mm -hmm. uh, the three options that they'll kind of run through in the front court. Um, but the biggest reason I'm going to take Clemson here is is – culture like i turned on their two games at space coast classic in melbourne florida they're playing i think they had uh they played mississippi state night one and they beat purdue night two for the uh for the championship and i have not seen a team that was more engaged on the bench and more excited for one another and like that matters like and you would not think of like a brown l team as like like cheerleaders for the for, for their team and really locked in but they're playing together right now they're really bought in, and I think in this year in particular, I'm looking for that in, in a number of different facets. I think at the end of the day, that culture will win them this game. Um, you know, Honor had some shots, and uh, shout out to Jonathan Bear. He's finally healthy and was really yeah. good in that uh, in that game. I'm, I'm so glad for him. He played 11 against Purdue, just looked so much healthier, was moving around great. He's such an X factor. He was really good at Asheville when he was able to play. Yeah, I think he he carried them in either the first or the second game of the season. Through, through a pretty good stretch. I, I can't remember which game it was, but I, I had never actually seen him play. I didn't obviously watch him at Asheville, but I had always heard that he was he was a talented player who was good enough to play in this league, certainly good enough to play at Clemson. And watching him play, I, I want to say in the second half, but I, I can't remember. Um, I, was, I was actually very impressed with what I was seeing from him. Um, Chimp, before you go, I'm just going to say that right now, all three of us agreed on the first two games of the Wednesday night slate, and Kevin and I just agreed on the third game for the Wednesday night slate. So, Maryland at Clemson, what do you got? Well, to me, that really doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, I mean, you're to, we, have, we have three smart, very, very smart guys. Now, wait, let me take it back. Two very smart guys and one that claims to know some shit from time to time. That would, that would be me. All right. Uh, this is going to be a game in my opinion, and I think you said it, Coach, where it's going to come down to the end of the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be one of those one-two possession games. It's going to be tight late. 
I like what Kevin was talking about with the chemistry and the culture of Clemson. I watched both of those games down in Florida. Uh, and let me say this, too. That P.J. Hall kid, that kid, if he sticks around, he is going to be a very good player. Mm-hmm. I like him a he, 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 You know, he, the, I don't think his stats really show a lot yet, but you can tell that kid knows how to play. Uh, strong kid for a freshman. Um, but with all that said, I'm going to make it three for three again. I think Clemson finds a way late uh, to win this game. Interesting. I mean, we're all going to either do very well or very poorly in these picks. So um, we, we can all fail or rise to the occasion together is where this is basically leading. Now, this is going to be fun. Georgia Tech on the road, off a big win, playing in Nebraska, who I think is, what, 3-0, 3-1, but not a very strong, um, very strong schedule thus far as I'm currently burning time so I can... Look it up on Ken Palm. Yes. Uh, wins against McNeese State, North Dakota State, South Dakota. South Dakota only a seven-point win. One loss um, at home against Nevada. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, for me, this has nothing really to do with Nebraska and a whole lot to do with Georgia Tech and Josh Passner. Um, something I commented on today was it's such a roller coaster in Atlanta that even in year five, there's no real semblance of any kind of consistency within that program. You've already lost to Georgia state. You've already lost to Mercer last night. Michael DeVoe scored zero points and they still won by 17, which is an anomaly in and of itself. I Josh Pastner on the road. I don't know if I can get behind it right now. I think it's a one point spread according to Ken Palm. I, 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 <laughs> Georgia Tech's, I think Georgia Tech's going to win the game. I, I, I want to take Nebraska here, but I think that's just the, the Passner hater in me. But <laughs> uh, has too much talent to lose this game. And, uh, you know, Josh Passner for me is the biggest question mark on the entire roster. I saw them play with four guards against Kentucky with Moses Wright. I thought Sturdivant looked awesome. Um, Bubba Parham did just enough, was was hitting the shots that he need, that we need him to hit. I say we like I'm a part of the program. That Georgia Tech needs him to hit. Um, if DeVoe can just get it together, I think this team has potential. I almost want to take Nebraska, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that my guys have enough talent to get it done in Lincoln. Give me Georgia Tech. This is this is peak letdown game territory. I know, right? I mean, you, you, and it's unbelievable because I'm sitting there and I'm watching Moses Wright and I watch so much of the Georgia State game and I watch almost all the Kentucky game. And I'm sitting there going, Moses Wright is unbelievable. Like this guy is, is awesome. Like especially a Nebraska team that's not great up front. They're gonna expose he's gonna expose them. You know, the guards from Nebraska aren't that great. Um but man, like I just, I just think Georgia Tech is out there and shit the bet. Like that's all I can think yeah. about. Yeah, I mean that's and that's so a think, that's a quality explanation of what's going to happen tomorrow night. That is a scientific and and well thought out reason to pick Nebraska. Give me give me some threes from Lat Man and the Nebraska wins. If Cam Mack was still at Nebraska, I would take Nebraska straight up by double digits. Yeah. <laughs> no, not not a believer in Cam Mack. Uh, I, I'm out on Cam Mack as a big 10-point guard. Okay. And in on Cam Mack as a swag point guard. He's going to put up like 26, 6, and 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swag. Sure. It's going to be great. It's going to be a treat. He, he's currently out with an injury. Is that correct? He just got his waiver. Okay. Prairie View's on a COVID shutdown. We'll see when he, when that ends, whether he reappears. Okay. I hope he does. Me too. Gonna it's going to be entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chimp, Georgia Tech, Nebraska. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I guess my only thought is I guess I'll be rooting, you know, for you more than anybody. <laughs> I mean, so, sanity. you know, yeah. So I hope Georgia Tech wins, you know, so you'll be happy. Your team's on a winning streak. Um, normally in situations like this, I, I just have to lean towards the home team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I look, I thought Moses Wright was awesome yesterday against Kentucky. I mean, he played a fabulous game. But I would look at this on the board, and the only thought I would have is I'd have to take the home team. So give me Nebraska. Fantastic. All right. Now we're going to end this, end this picks on a high note with the game that we all know that you guys want to hear us talk about. And that is the Pittsburgh Panthers traveling to Northwestern to take on Chris Collins' Wildcats. Uh, Kevin's alma mater, current school. Um, Pitt, I mean, outside of Justin Champagny, who I love to watch play basketball, I I don't have a whole lot invested. Um, I'm kind of driving that train right now, but Pitt is a train wreck. So it's difficult for me to get behind this game. I have not watched Northwestern. I probably will not watch this game. I have an interest in in Robbie Barron because I had to watch him play so much while Georgia Tech was seemingly um, luring him to Atlanta to play for them. But uh, I I guess similar to the G-Tech Nebraska game, I guess I got to lean with the home team even though Pitt may be more talented. Um, Kevin will certainly correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm going to take Northwestern in this game. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't blame you for not having watched Northwestern's two riveting showdowns with Arkansas Pine Bluff and Chicago State. I mean, I'll, I'll give Chris Collins credit for this, and I've said this to a couple of people, so I don't feel bad saying it's on the podcast, even if Chris's agent's listening, like he seemingly finds all my other content. He's not. Um, yes, I, I, I hope he's not listening to this. If, if, you're, if you are a coach who knows you might have a rough year ahead and you're scheduling your bye games, you know, Give, give me the dregs, right? Like, it's much better to play Pine Bluff and Chicago State than it is to, to mess around with Merrimack and Hartford. Because last year, you lost to Merrimack and Hartford. If you're going to play down, you got to go way down. Which I think Chicago State is currently the second-to-last-rated team in Ken Palm right now, I believe. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if Pine Bluff blow them. I mean, they were something <laughs> off. But, no, I, I actually think Northwestern's relatively significantly improved. Um, there are two added additions of guard, Chase Audige from William & Mary and Ty Berry's a freshman from Sunrise Christian. have both been very good. They've been very impressive. Boo Boo, he's running the show now. He's not just a scorer. Um, Miller Cops getting better every year. Barron solid. I will be very disappointed if Northwestern loses this game to Pittsburgh. I'm going to roll with the heart. I'm going to roll with my purple heart and go with the Cats. And, and, and it would be, again, I mean, Pitt is probably, the, the weird, the, the crazy thing is like, it's the first test for Northwestern, and Pitt is probably worse than every single team Northwestern has left on the schedule except its last game of the year. <laughs> or every Big Ten game they have on the schedule except their last game of the year is against Nebraska. Like, that's how freaking good the Big Ten is. And if Northwestern can't win this game at home, I'm worrying about another, you know, 2-8 and team. And I really hope that's not coming because I actually have been very impressed with Audige, uh, in particular, 28, mm-hmm. 20 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists in the game I was at on Saturday, which was a lot of fun, you know. If they lose the game, I'm going to be ticked. So I'm giving the Cats just out of, out of anger, if nothing else. But I think they do actually win this game. I think they'll be, think they'll be fine. Jim? Well, this game is another uh, game, a revenge game from last year. 
mm-hmm. uh, Pitt, I believe, yes. beat North, Northwestern. And uh, what's amazing is I actually watched that game last year because I had money on it, uh, and I had over the total. And uh, it, it did manage to go over the total. So I will be watching to see what the total is. How I may just for shits and giggles play over again. I don't know. But uh, I couldn't name probably three players in this game. I have no idea uh, about either roster. Um, it, the game is being played in Northwestern. Uh, Kevin picked Northwestern, and he should know. So I'm going to pick Northwestern. Three, four, three. So, I want to get into, we're going to do, we're going to put Kevin in the bonus here in just a minute. But, before we get there, and I and I didn't prompt him on this, I wanted it to kind of be spur of the moment. One of the questions that, well, first of all, to, to, to kind of lead into this, Kevin is one of the most vocal play, people that I know on a personal level on Twitter when it comes to um, contact tracing, the whole COVID pandemic, his thoughts on how things should be addressed, how things should maybe move forward, how we need, how we could schedule and, and make this, you know, this whole this whole season work as uh, as a nation as far as college basketball goes. One of the questions that I had, Kevin, in this whole preseason and early on, is you're seeing games um, canceled and, and what's starting to be kind of an accelerated rate. Um, Notre Dame lost two games this week. NC State lost two games this week. You know, coaches are kind of scrambling to get um, more games on their schedule. My question for you is, how does the the NCAA tournament committee evaluate a team that may end up only playing 13 or 14 games against teams that may play 21, 22, 23 games when they're putting this tournament together? That is the million, trillion, gazillion dollar question. Uh, and if, if I had an answer, a great answer, I, I would already have given it. I think <laughs> the I think the promising thing, first of all, is I, I think teams are going to be closer on game totals okay. than than we think. I think maybe you know you'll have some isolated examples of a team that really struggles to get off the ground. But you know we're seeing with college football. I mean, for the most part, everyone's going to play nine or ten in the major conferences, except for the Big Ten mm-hmm. who, and the Pac-12 who started late. You know, everyone who started on time and everyone has started on time here. Uh, is going to play most of their games and be within one game of each other. So, you know, I think from that perspective, I'm optimistic that everyone can be in that, you know, 17 to 21 range. Seems like a great target. Um, but that said, I think the NCAA committee is going to use this year, without a doubt, as a justification for the eye test, right? Like, they're going to put in who the he- whoever the heck they want to put in, whether they play 14 games or 24 games, and when they get questioned on it, they'll say, oh, the eye test, you know, they look good in there, however many games. Whether it's if it's so many games, they'll use. You know, I've always thought that the NCAA's committee they they don't they don't have like the criteria and like make decisions based on the criteria. They make the decisions and they fit the criteria to the decision. So <laughs> you know, we 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 put Notre Dame in. Oh well, yeah, because Fonzie Colson was out. Oh, you didn't put in UNC Greensboro though, who was without their guard for five games. Oh well, yeah, I didn't. It, you know, the eye test. You know, like they, they just, <laughs> you just keep going down the line until you get to the answer. And so I think I think at the end of the day, like it's not going to be as significantly impactful. I think it's going to create more uncertainty with the, with the bubble and, you know, into the final days. I think you always get like two days before the tournament, like Lenardi kind of resets what he's got. And I'm convinced he's got like a source in there. Who's like, man, the committee doesn't seem to like this team. I might like, might switch it up. And it doesn't, it's not a massive shift, but usually like one or two teams that move relatively significantly never says it. So I'll be watching that, but I think there will be a lot of, 
you know, the really dedicated bracketologists, many of whom that we're, we're good friends with Michael, who are mm-hmm. uh, really, really lost, lost for words trying to figure out what's going on until the final couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's It makes me feel like not such an idiot when I'm talking to guys like Lucas and Jonathan, and they're like, eh, I don't really know. So, um, yeah, I certainly look forward and look and lean on those guys to tell me what the hell's going on. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like resumes and things like that, jumping on Warren Nolan later on the season and, and looking at certain metrics numbers and how the difference in games played and, and games were canceled. I think um, the UConn game against NC State that was canceled is kind of a blow to NC State. I think NC State that lost a game against a, a pretty good opponent that they may have been able to pull out. Um, that could have been a resume builder for a team that I'm not sure is even really going to be on the bubble. So, um <clears throat> What we do at the end of the show now, Kevin, uh, since the chimp has been so uh, so gracious in joining me, is we like to put people in the bonus. And basically, it's a seven-pack of questions where the chimp uses uh, some research methods to go ahead and get us, kind of let us know or let us get to know you on sort of a, a personal level outside of college basketball and, and what you and I kind of do on Twitter and, and on the podcast. So I'm going to turn it over to him, and he's going to put you in the bonus. All right, that sounds good. All right, now, uh, Coach, you realize we could be talking to the next Jim Nance. You know that, right? I would, I would love to be the. Yeah, uh, I mean that's high praise. Team. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, if I'm, if, I'm telling you, if in 15 years good. Kevin Sweeney is is lending his voice to the Masters, then I will be, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be talking that that up that I knew him since he was whatever, 19 years old. Well. Maybe he can. I know he's going to be doing something special, so oh, maybe yeah. he'll be kind enough to give us tickets at some point <laughs> to a sporting event. All right, Kevin, are you ready? Here we go. All righty. All right, question number one You get to pick any sporting event to do play by play on. Which event do you pick and why? I think I, think I would say the Rose Bowl. Oh. Like I had so much. Fun, I've had so much fun being around Northwestern games in the past couple of years, uh, and seeing them. I mean, if I ever called a Northwestern game at the Rose Bowl, I think I might just like say, "All right, that's good. I can leave now. I'm, I'm done. I'm done on this earth." I mean, that was that would be a dream come true. But I think you know, just the history there, the sight lines. Uh, look, college basketball is amazing, and you know, you know, an amazing a Final Four a championship game would be incredible. But calling a Rose Bowl, I think, would be. Just an unbelievable honor, an unbelievable experience. Who would you want to do color with you? <sighs> Man. Probably Herb Street, honestly. He's yeah. a lot of fun. There you go. He knows what he's doing. Brings the energy. It'd be cool. I've got the answer to that. It would have to be Todd Blackwood. He's the best yes. bar nine guy. Is absolutely pure. One of the best broadcasters in the world, in my opinion. It's funny. It's funny. So... Uh, he was at Northwestern for the Northwestern-Wisconsin game a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I was not there. I was at home with my only game at home this year. Um, and my buddy saw him and Sean McDonough. And apparently like, uh, apparently McDonough was just like in a bad mood like all day. Like he, like he left and he was like, man, like this game stunk. And I was like, all right, man. Like whatever. <laughs> but that, was, that was the rumor I heard. Was that Sean McDonough was pissed because the Northwestern game stunk that he was calling. Because it was, I mean, it was ugly as heck, but I mean, it was a win. Well, it, yeah, it, so I was not it, it, Yeah, it was a bad game, but uh, I think McDonough's great, too. He's a great broadcaster. Yeah, sir. Uh, no question. All right, question number two. As a kid, what sport were you best at? Oh, I was a baseball player. I played, I grew up, I played travel baseball. 
played first base, pitched a little, played right field, was on a you know some really good teams when I was like twelve and thirteen that would make it to like the tournament before the World Series. We didn't play in the Little League. We played in like Cal Ripken, which is like the other division, whatever it is. I don't even know how it's divided up anymore, but it was called Cal Ripken. And so we were, we were, we always would like the team from our area made the World Series both years in a row, and we played them really close and we would get two bids to the regional which was the tournament before the world series we will we always play them tight and so it was a lot of fun I, I was a great first baseman i think my uh my career peak was when the first game of the 12 year old regional tournament uh the coach told me the day before he was going to start me a pitcher and i was very confused why and it mm-hmm. turned out that it was because we were playing uh i didn't know how good the bear delaware team was apparently they were like the best team by far so he stuck me out there to get shelled because he didn't want to use any of the any of the arms. So I gave up like six runs and got one out in the first inning, and it was like really heartbroken <laughs> until I realized he told me after. He said, "Yeah, like I was just putting you out there for the dogs." It's like, all right, well, <laughs> so that, that, was, that was my career highlight as a uh, as a ball player. But no, I had a lot of fun playing first base and had some great memories trying to put that out. Very very nice. Uh, question number three: If you had one, if if you had one game to lose. And you have to lose this game, okay? We're talking about college basketball. Which coach do you pick out of these three? Josh Passner, Chris <laughs> Collins, or Patrick Ewing? Oh, man. <laughs> I think I... <laughs> Fuck you guys. Collins and Passner. <laughs> it's between Collins and Passner. Man, that is tough. I think... I think Collins would be my choice. Um, just because I feel like there have been a few games that I've watched, I'm sure pass the same way. You, you're, ne- you're never closer than to the program you follow the most, where mm-hmm. you have all these examples. But there were so many, there were so many games last year where Northwestern, Northwestern had three games where they led by like 10 with five minutes to go and lost the game. And I get they were young, but like, you know, they just, they would find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm out on Collins, like, it is what it is. I'd love him to get it going again. It was so fun when they were good. It was so fun when we were excited about the program. But right now, it's uh, choosing Collins here. Choosing Collins. Okay, question number four. You rub the genie's lamp, and the genie says, you get one date with any woman on planet Earth. Who is this and why? This is sorry. This is ridiculous. Let's see how we can answer this. Oh man! Um, shit! I don't even know. Let's, let's think. Um, I'll say. I'll say. Uh, I'll say Aaron Andrews. You know. Oh wow! I grew up. You know, everybody's like star. You know, it's like oh my god, we're watching her on sidelines, whatever. I could like use the time to like pick her brain if I really wanted to be like a nerd and be like a journalist nerd. If not, just have some fun. You know, you know, gorgeous woman. Let's go with Aaron Andrews. All right, good answer. Question number five, and you've already answered this, and Coach really threw me for a loop when he brought up the color analyst thing. But I was going to ask, other than me, who is the <laughs> color analyst you would love to call a game with? And you already answered that. Oh, I'm my bad. Just so you guys, Kevin, I, I don't know the questions before the show, so that's my. Oh, no, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I will say for basketball, I would love to work with Fran Pichello. Yeah. Like, I think he's just, he knows so much about the game. I've, you know, you know, I've gotten a lot of respect for him. He's, you know, we tweeted back and forth a few times, and I think it would be really cool to, to work with him and kind of learn the game from him. I think he does a great job explaining the game. Uh, in a really well, I, I, I would agree. He's very well-spoken, very knowledgeable. Uh, give me your thoughts 
since you already answered my question, if I, give me give me your thoughts on Dockage. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that he's willing to like just like try just pick at like Kentucky fans wherever he can. Like he said, like two or three times on the call yesterday. Yeah, you know, Calipari's going to run out of teams to play play against. He's, <laughs> he's going to play. Uh, he's going to play. You know, can't play Richmond. He can't play Evansville. He can't play Indiana. He's not going to play anybody. So I think I think it's funny in that regard. I think the frustrating thing when I listen to Dockage is he doesn't always sound like he's prepared to do the game. Like he just seems like he's confident. He's like, oh, I love. I know basketball. I, I know the coaches. I'll like. I'll show up and figure it out. And like, there's nothing that annoys me more than like a guy showing up and like butchering the pronunciation of the starting center. And he was doing that to Cincinnati all game. So I think that's my big frustration with him. But I want to call a guy's opinionated. Like I don't want a guy just saying nothing because otherwise, like I can say nothing. You know, I can, I can, I can riff on. I'm doing the game. I know what I'm doing. Every play-by-play broadcaster is worth, worth something in this business. Knows knows about basketball. Like I want someone who's going to bring me something. That's why I love Fran. I think Dockage could. I just don't think he's prepared to. All right. Question number six. You are given a vial of truth serum, and you are allowed to to dose any coach, living or dead, and you are allowed to ask them one question. Which coach you pick, and what's your question? Oh, man. Okay, so so off the top of my head here, we're going to go with a funny answer. I'm dosing Coach K, and I'm asking him if the injuries are real. <laughs> you know about his injuries, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> is, is, is he just like faking it when he wants to step aside for a couple weeks, or is he is he actually like or if, or if he just wants to take a fucking late night ride to Spartanburg at at the last possible second? <laughs> All right, good. That, 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 that's a really uh, actually. I got a second. I got a second answer too. This Go is for much it. more serious. I gotta ask Jamie and Christian if George Washington is actually his dream job. <laughs> this is very deep cut, but Jamie and Christian yeah. left Sienna a couple of years ago and was like, "Oh well, I wouldn't have left, but GW is my dream job." And like everyone was like, "Come on, like, that's not your dream job." So I would love to get his, his truthful answer as to whether GW is actually Jamie and Christian's uh, dream job. But I'm happy at Sienna. I love Coach Carm; he's a great guy. I'm very close with him, and they're doing a great job. So I'm I'm perfectly happy with how it landed, but. That would be a, a great answer to know for the rest of eternity. All right, last question. And, Coach, I'm going to debut something here. The first time I've done this. Ooh. It may work. It may not. But Kevin's as good a person as anybody to try this out on. Fantastic. All right, you ready? Yes. We're doing punch, hug, hire. Okay? <laughs> it, it's not It's not Mary bleep, kill. It's yeah. punch, hug, hire. Okay? Okay. You get to punch the one, you get to hug one, you get to hire one. Can I can go. I answer this too? I, you absolutely can. <laughs> okay. All right. I've got two batches here and all right, so we're gonna go the first threesome is Dan Dockett, Seth Greenberg, Bill Walton. Jeez. Oh, oh, um Christ. I think um Oh shit, this is hard. I think I'm hiring I think I'm hiring Greenberg. Like I'm annoyed by him, but like less annoyed by him than Dockett. Hmm. I think I'm, I'm, I'm hugging Bill. Like I think he just needs a little love, and uh, and we're punching Dockett and get him out. Of here. <laughs> okay, right, you want to have a? Is, is Go this ahead. for is this for color or is this for coaching? Uh, it's whatever you want it to be. Oh, geez, anything. Okay. Well, I mean, if we're talking about 
it depends on the service. And I mean, for coaching, you're hiring Greenberg. <laughs> if you're looking for strong acid, you're hiring Bill Walton. Um, there you go. <laughs> if you're looking to go to a bar and talk some shit, it's going to be Dockage. Um, yeah, but I, I agree with Kevin. I, you know, Greenberg is kind of the safe bet. I am not a Bill Walton guy, chimp. I know that you are. Um, and we're going to cross that bridge at some point in the future. And then, you know, you know, I like Dockich more than most, but I mean, there isn't really a color guy out there that deserves, you know, a shot to the jaw more than Dan Dockich. So yeah, I, I agree with, I agree with, with Kevin 100%. I mean, yeah, there's no question. Dockich, listen, I, I kind of like the guy, but he is definitely punchable. There is no question about it. <laughs> All right, here we go. The next batch. You'll really appreciate this one, Kevin. You ready? Okay. Brad Caballero, Lucas Harkins, and me. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Um, I'm hiring Lucas because the guy's a grinder. Yeah. That guy is, is working all the time. Uh, you know, I've gotten to, I started DMing him more personally a little bit more often recently. It's been, it's been great to get him know more. Uh, how about we, we, I, I hugged Greg. He actually is the one who start, got me to start this podcast. I'm sure I would have started a podcast eventually. Oh, I didn't know that. But Brad was Brad. So Brad had a buddy who was starting like a podcast startup and like needed people to make podcasts. So Brad was like, "Kevin, you want to start a podcast?" I didn't really know Brad. Like it was our first DM, but I was like, "I mean, I should start one. You know, I might as well." So we did it, and it has worked out better than I could have ever hoped. I mean, the startup didn't work, which was fine because we just were basically just hopping on like a like a Zoom chat or Skype chat every uh, every week and recording, and then eventually hoping that the startup would work. And the startup didn't work, so now we have another network, and that's been great. So, got to hug Brad for his appreciation for everything. And then, unfortunately, unfortunately, Champ, you you get you get in the punch here, buddy. But uh, well, love listen, your questions. Ke- Kevin, my nose is very sensitive, so punch me in the stomach, okay? <laughs> See, Chip, I don't know if you know this, but Kevin is like 6'4". He's, he's There's going to be something behind that one. So, um, no, I'm a softie, though. I'm, I'm, I'm a gentle giant. <laughs> well, that's it, Kevin. You are now in the bonus. Uh, I appreciate you putting up with, with these questions. And let me say this. I think you have a tremendously bright future. I've listened to you. Do play by play. I think you're fabulous. I think you're just going to get better and better. And uh, thank you for being on the podcast. No, I appreciate it. I uh, you know I love working working with both you guys. It's seen on Twitter. It's uh, always brightens my day. So always happy to hop on and uh, you know always always good to do our, our yearly catch up. And uh, maybe we'll do it even more often. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make that happen, Kevin. I, I I'm always around. You you are. You're one of the more reliable guys on Twitter. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, always I, don't know, do anything else. I I always know where to find you. Um, <laughs> um, again, once again, I think this is like I said. I think this is the third year in a row. I appreciate you taking the time to join us, and uh, you know, I, I I absolutely agree with everything that the chimp said as far as as far as where you're going and, and what you're doing and what you're going to be successful at. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your evening, man. All right, have a good one. All right, later, guys. What is up, guys? I hope you guys enjoyed that show. <clears throat> As much as I enjoyed doing it, um, the chimp <laughs> kind of had me rolling there for a little bit. Kevin is obviously a, a fun guy to host on the show. Um, 
just a really fun show to do. And uh, Kevin being gracious enough to to come on three years in a row and, and preview this this challenge with me is always a pleasure. So one of the more consistent guys, and obviously we'll work together at the Rockin' 25 as well, which is always... There's always some kind of crazy-ass conversation going on in that group chat. I'll tell you what, you get 15, well, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 guys in a, in a chat room that all really know college basketball. It's it's both humbling and also very entertaining. So, um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to work with Kevin for the last couple of years on that. Um, he's been, you know, gracious enough to be on this show for the last three years. And uh, I'm thankful for him and, uh, and, and you know, kind of the... I don't want to say friendship because we've never. It's weird to say to refer to people as friends who you've never met in person. That's that's a weird thing for me. But I, I would say we are acquaintances and uh, and uh, always make time to uh, to help each other out, which I really appreciate. So as as we do as a group in the Rockin' Twenty Five, that's kind of the whole point of the Rockin' Twenty Five is to uh, push each other's work, kind of help each other out. Um, you know, as kind of a little network of independence. And, you know, it's more than just a weekly poll. I, I can assure you guys of that. So it's something I'm very thankful for. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Like I said, don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast, get the word out. This is the premier ACC basketball podcast. In my humble opinion, um, I think the chimp has elevated this show uh, to a new level. I think the reviews that you guys are leaving definitely reflect that. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys taking the time to go ahead and jump on and leave us a review, leave us some kind words. I know the chimp certainly appreciates it as well. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. I have not booked any kind of guest next week, but as we alluded to at the end of this show, this may just be me and the chimp having a conversation next week while we take a look at some results from week three. If you listen closely enough, you may know the content of that conversation. I will see you guys next week. Later.